Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Rockman Power Hour. My name is Jason Rockman, and uh, this is a place where we talk about all things uh, pop culture. We talk to interesting people about what they might have on the go, and uh, and it's just a place where we like to have a lot of fun. And this week's episode is a tremendous amount of fun for myself, and I'm sure for my co-host, Ryan Stick, who we are going to bring in right now because I don't want to take the fun um, all for myself. Ryan, listen, man, we're talking about movies. We are. I love it when we do this. Listen, movies are, uh, you know, uh, you're a big movie fan. I'm a big movie fan. And um, this week we're talking about three rad movies that are out right now that you can see because, uh, well, two of them are in, are in theaters and one of them is on demand. Um, and I think that's a nice, nice mix of the way the world is right now when it comes to movie watching, because not everybody is going to the theaters. And, and a lot of the times, unless you're a big blockbuster, uh, you're going right to, uh, to a streaming service. And it doesn't mean the quality is diminished at all in films. No. It just means that that's, that's the format. Now everything is going streaming. If it's not a huge, big blockbuster movie that needs to be seen on the big screen. And that's fine with me because some incredible movies are going straight to streaming. That's true. And, uh, you know, streaming used to be looked down upon in a way, but then for a good two years, it was kind of the industry standard. Yeah. And now the same way we used to look down at Netflix, like, oh, a Netflix movie. And now I'm like, nowadays, I'm like, ooh, a Netflix, Netflix. movie. I, I know. I know. It's, but yeah. uh, before we go too far, let's uh, let's let's give a shout out to our um, our new clothing sponsor. We're we are outfitted, Ryan. How does that feel to be outfitted? I never thought I'd be outfitted in my life. You? I feel special in ways I never realized I could. But what's funny, though, is that all three movies we're seeing today, mm -hmm. you've seen. Yeah, and I haven't. Right. But I have seen Airborne. Right. Oh, God. <laughs> the, the 90s <laughs> rock and rollerblade movie. And when I saw this on StudioHouse.com, this this isn't because we're sponsored. I'm saying all this. This is like, oh, when I saw it on StudioHouse.com, I know I honestly, you're like, oh, Studio House is cool. And I looked at the website and I saw an airborne shirt. Yeah. And lost my fucking mind because I never realized that an airborne shirt would exist. Nevertheless, when this cool. Yeah. So good on Studio House for picking those oddities and celebrating them. Because you could just make another shirt that everyone else makes. Right. But considering they made a 13 Ghost shirt <laughs> and an Airborne shirt, I lost my fucking mind, honestly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if people don't know, Studio House, uh, the website studiohouse.com, uh, if you've ever followed me, I mean, this is a fly shirt. I, I, I wear all of their stuff. Uh, pretty much exclusively. Like I, I, I love studio house. Um, you know, they're one of those companies that just do a phenomenal job with their shirts. Uh, it's run by two great people and, and Cody, who is the, uh, the, you know, the chief designer there does an amazing job as Ryan was showing, you know, putting together, um, paying tribute to, to, you know, to, to movies that, <laughs> to movies that, uh, that, you know, might not get the love that they deserve. And, uh, and also some movies that are, are beloved. So, um, I, I love the fact that a, the, uh, they do a great job with their graphic design. They do a phenomenal job on printing on soft shirts, on comfortable shirts that, uh, as you know, that, I mean, they're long sleeves. I live in them in the winter. Um, I'm surprised I don't have one on now because it's so freaking cold here, but they, they've <laughs> just got, they've got great stuff. They've got great stuff. And, um, we're very happy to have a partnership with them because, um, it, it was kind of in the works for me for a long time. Anyways, I've been wearing their stuff for a few years now, and, um, I'm just glad that they're officially on board taking care of both of our torsos because that's all you can see. Um, I don't want to tell you what's underneath, um, below the torso because there's nothing. I mean, I am literally, my butt cheeks are sticking to this vinyl chair, 
right now. Please make pants, Studio House. We would appreciate it. <laughs> so yeah, I just want to give them a uh, well, well, not just give them a shout out. We want to welcome them aboard to the Rockman Power Hour officially. And uh, thank you, Cody and Aaron. Great company out of Philadelphia. And uh, if you ever want to check them out, studiohousedesigns.com. So uh, speaking of Studio House Design, speaking of movies, uh, that's what our subject is today is movies. And we've got three movies that we are going to be talking about that are available for you to watch right now. We're going to start off with a movie that has been anticipated for a long, long time. Um, this is a movie that I got to see about two weeks ago and, um, I laughed my butt off. And actually there were some moments where I was really scared as well. And, uh, you're asking how can you laugh and be scared at the same time? Well, pair the Foo Fighters with the horror genre and you've got studio 666. And, uh, I was fortunate enough to catch up with the director of studio 666, BJ McDonald. Check out our conversation right here. Really nice that you're here with me today, man. Thanks for coming. Um, yeah, thanks for, for, for agreeing to chat. Uh, I got to see the movie. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. That's good. I, so I got to watch it on Friday and um, it was just so much fun. It was yeah. just so much fun. I mean, I think I, I want to get into this with you a bit because I have a couple of questions, but it seems to me that when you went into this project, um, you wanted to scare people, but you wanted to also have a, a tongue firmly planted in cheek. Am I right? 100%. That's ex yes, we did. That was and 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 the fact that people have received it that way, especially with you saying that, it's it, mission accomplished. Okay, it's it because it, it did. I mean, there are literally some parts that were really freaky. Like I was watching this alone in a studio, and and I much prefer to watch things in theater. But you know, when yeah. in 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 these kind of cases, you kind of have to see them before so we can chat. Yeah. Um. But but I, I can imagine seeing this in a theater with you know with being surrounded with good sound and stuff and and an audience. It must be a hoot. Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, it's funny. I haven't seen it in the theater with anyone. Right. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So I'm about to, uh, you know, that's the scary thing. I'm about to, I'm about to be in the theater to see everything with everybody. So I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I've, I've seen it so many times because of editing and things like that, but to see it with an actual audience is always so much fun. That's kind of, you really want to see it with an audience. Although we know that, you know, some people aren't that comfortable going to theaters right now. Sure. But, sure. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, um, when you're, when you're looking at a project like this, is it, um, did you kind of have to put your name in the hat or was it something that Dave came to you about or like, how, how did it come about? Came about with, uh, basically Dave was recording medicine at midnight and they were at the house that we shot at in Encino. Yeah. Um, and Jim Rhoda and John Ramsey are producers that do all his music videos, sound city, you know, those kind of, those shows uh, yeah. for Dave on anything audiovisual. Right. Through the idea that he wanted to make a horror film, that he was, you know, like they were talking about doing this horror film. And so Jim and John said, you got to meet BJ because he's a buddy of ours because we were we were kind of working on projects together um, and trying to get some things going. Um, Dave saw the Slayer videos that I had directed and wrote. Mm, yeah. Um, they sent me his pitch. I looked at it. I kind of read over it. And then I went on my computer, made a lookbook of things I thought would be awesome to add to the movie, just like to give a little bit more story and more depth. Um, and then I we set up a meeting with Dave. Uh, we we met at the house. Uh, we talked about movies we love, the kind of vibe we wanted to go with, what we wanted to accomplish with the movie. Um, and then, you know, we all got along so well that Dave said, let's rock and roll. And we did. Uh, it's, you know, to me, this reminds me of a time when when bands would be big enough to do things like this. Like there were, you know, when, you know, Kiss made a movie, there were certain yeah. bands that made movies, but not everybody's been able to make a movie. But it feels to me like the Foo Fighters have done so much in their career. And just continue to keep on doing things and, and expanding that, yeah. you know, a, a horror movie like this makes complete, complete sense. But it seems like someone hasn't done something like this in a long, long time. This, this is like a throwback to me. 
Well, that's exactly what me and Dave talked about and Jim and everybody and the guys is that, you know, because it was them and they wanted to do this movie, that was another whole reasoning with the vibe we wanted to go. We wanted to make another band film. We wanted to make another movie that kind of was a throwback to the movies that used to come out, in the, you know, the 70s and 80s. And, yeah. And, uh, and and that was the whole deal because, you know, no one's really making those movies anymore. It's all, you know, every, it's it's just the same old, same old. Um, and now we, we were just like, it's time to make a movie with the band, yeah. starring the band. And to, to, to me and Dave, we were like, I don't think anyone's really done a horror film. You know, that, that's that's also funny and fun. Yeah. So that was the whole thing. You know, we were stoked about what we did. And, and that was that was a complete thing we went into wanting to do exactly what you just said. Yeah. And, and, and being a big fan of genre films and, uh, you know, I I, 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 yeah, I collect physical media. You know, I buy Arrow video. I get excited when Arrow yeah. says, has something new. You know, I, when Screen right. Factory goes, does special features for a movie that probably tanked in the theaters. But to me, it's important. It's important that um, this kind of a genre stays stays alive and stays interesting. And we're not just looking back on things that were done in the past and go, man, those are the good old days of this kind of cinema. So, um, and but 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 it is very funny in some points. I mean, you know, I don't want to give anything away, but. There's a few cameos in the movie that are are, are great. I, I imagine Carrie King was was your doing. Mm-hmm. That was a, that was a, that was a choice. <laughs> well, because Slayer had broken up, right? And, well, and we we and Dave were talking. It's like you know, it would be kind of funny to bring in Carrie to play basically a roadie. A roadie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, Carrie just was, I'll do it. I'm in. Carrie was super about it. Well, just the idea of Carrie humping gear, you know, uh, it just, it just, it was really, really funny, but, um, but there's a couple of others like, you know, uh, Lionel Richie shows up in the movie at mm-hmm. one point. Um, and it's just, it's just fun. It's a lot, a lot of fun. And um, yeah. your, your experience with making movies, like, you know, I, I looked through some of the stuff you've done and I've, I've had a chance to, to, you know, to interview James Wan and stuff. And I, and I saw you did some cinematography work with James. What, what, yep. you know, most recently malignant, what was that like to work with James? And, and how much of that experience, because you've worked, I mean, you know, when you look at your credits, you've done camera work on a ton of stuff, you know, yeah, and, and I'm, some I'm massive, get around. <laughs> yeah, some massive stuff. So I imagine all those travels and doing all that work and you're working with such high level talent that that's got to rub off on you. And, and it probably, I would imagine helps you be able to be the captain of a ship like this and, and steer it. Right. Yeah, I find myself like as you know, I've been doing this for two decades, and you know, in the camera operating position, being the operator, uh, I find myself really comfortable talking to actors, and that's really kind of like you know, being in this position and, and being where I'm at. It, that's it's made it easier. James Wan and people like that, or and other directors I've worked with, um, I've taken so much knowledge from them. It's the best film school you could ever have yeah. because you're right there working directly with the director and the director of photography. Um, and you get to kind of watch like, you know, what works, what doesn't sometimes, what, what great things directors do to get what they need, what same. And then you take away things that you've worked on where you go, Ooh, that didn't work so good. And what, you know, they were doing right there. I'm not going to do that. No names there. Um, right. But <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I've taken, you know, every job I've worked on, I feel like I've taken something from it and I always learn something new. Um, and James, for me, you know, not only is he a great filmmaker, but he has an all around amazing, wonderful vibe on set that makes yeah. it fun and makes you want to do it. It makes you want to be there working with him because there's certain people too, that can also make, you know, it, it can go, it can go both ways. And what yeah. I've kind of taken working with him and other directors that are very positive um, and very you know good at what they do is I take that with me as a, you know, make it as positive as you can and always try to, you know, keep a really great vibe on set. And I think, you know, know what you're doing directing wise, but also it just creates a better vibe for the whole, the whole cast and crew around you. 
Yeah. And, and, and I've, I've had a, chalk, a chance to talk to James face to face. I, I uh, interviewed him on the first Conjuring movie with Lorraine Warren. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and that was a real trip. That's but cool. he, he but he really is such a mild mannered, uh, you know, unassuming guy. Like you'd look at him, you'd think that's James Wan. Like he's just such a, a gentle guy. But the fact that he can scare the absolute shit out of you <laughs> shows that he probably has a little terrifying side to him, too. I will say, honestly, some of the most like lovely people I've met have made some of the scariest things you've ever seen. Yes. And it's a very strange, it's a, it's a strange mix there that, yeah. that I've seen. like, you know, there, there's, there's a bunch of that. And I, and it's like, like one of my best friends is, is Marcus Dunstan who did the collector movies. Mm. Um, and the guy is just like the sweetest dude in the world, but he's written some of the gnarliest, gnarliest stuff. <laughs> some of the gnarliest stuff. And it's, good, it's the same thing with James and other people like that. Like, you know, Gary Doberman, for instance, instance, you know, I just did Salem's lot with him. I did uh, Annabelle three with him. Yeah. Lovely, lovely human being like, love I, just you can't ask for better people to be around yeah um and, and it's funny salem's lot I, I saw that you you worked on that and that's a, a huge like that's one i'm really anticipating um is it hard for you when you're doing this kind of stuff and i imagine i can just looking behind you you look like you're a lot you're a fan as well um Dude. i think you're, you're yeah. <laughs> so is it hard for you not to give away stuff when you've been on set and you know stuff that's happening i'm sure you've got friends that are you know you sit around having a couple of beers and like come on bj tell me like is it as Gary is the one from the seventies? Like, you know, is it, there's gotta be that kind of, those kind of questions that come your way. It depends on who, you know, and who yeah. you can trust honestly. But for the most part in a professional sense, I usually, because it's the projects are so specific. And when, you know, until they come out, I'm like, you're going to love this, but I can't tell you much about yeah. this. But I'm telling you what we did was cool. Or, you know, people ask me, was there a certain thing that they redid in the movie that from, from the seventies that they're doing? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I can kind of like give those, I can kind of hint that stuff. But yeah. uh, for the most part, I try to keep things secret. And, you know, because for me, it's like if someone was working on a movie that I did, I would hope that they're kind of holding in, you know, the surprises and things that are coming out because it means a lot when the movie comes out. And if you're starting to tell people and you never know who's, I mean, you, that's why I say you have to trust you talk to. Of course, um, absolutely. But I think that it's better just to, you know, to try to keep everything so under wraps because, it just makes the theater experience better. And, you know, when my friends that I really trust see things that I've done when it comes out, you know, and they've been wanting and wanting, it's almost like the nice, you know, build up, and then yeah. they finally see it and they're like, yeah. And it's not like, Oh well, yeah, you were telling me about that. Okay. <laughs> um, as soon as the movie opens um, and the credits, uh, I love the credits, by the way, the credits just, they really throw back to like a carpenter style, you know, it's just, yeah. and, and carpenter. I mean, Again, I don't want to give anything away, but it's just there's some great moments in the movie that fans are going to freak out about. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, Andy Canny did that. He's the editor from Invisible Man, and um, he does a lot of credits, too. He's a really great dude. He, uh, he just get our titles. And that's the little things that people appreciate, you know, big film fans and, and throwbacks and little, little, as they say in French, clean days, like little, little winks to, to, you know, things that have come and gone. Um, but what I noticed and what I enjoyed throughout the film was the music. Um, and, you know, Roy Mayorga, I've known Roy for a long, long time. When awesome. I, used to, I used to live in LA. Um, and when my band was at one point, my band was on Ozfest and he was about to drum for Ozzy. And, yeah. uh, but I remember him from the Soulfly days and, and he, I mean, not only is he just one of the sweetest guys, but I'm so happy to see that he's gone into scoring because he's really yeah. good at it. I mean, I don't know. And I didn't awesome. know he was even doing this, but is this one of the yeah. first things he scored? Has he been doing it for a while? And, and tell me a bit this about is, that. Cause it's great. 
this is his main thing that he's scored. Like, I believe he's, he started scoring some stuff. And, you know, I didn't know him until we, I, I met him through Jim Rhoda, who was in Fireball Ministry, who's also the producer, oh, yeah. one of the producers of the movie. Um, oh, wow. Good buddy. Yeah. Um, and he goes, you got to meet Roy. You know, he's awesome. You, you know, he, just, you know, as you think about who you want to have composing the film. And I'm like, and, and score for me is a huge deal. Yeah, of course. Um, so I went and met Roy and he showed me some things he was working on and some stuff. And, and we talked about like the progression of how the music was going to go and the things that I liked and what I wanted to kind of feel in this, in the movie and how it was going to work out. And Roy delivered. I mean, honestly, now I feel like Roy's one of my best buddies. We talk all the time and yeah. you know, he's, he's now like, like, I feel like I've, uh, you know, brought him into the world. I always want to keep him there because he's such a rad dude and he works really hard and he's such a talent. The, the way he does his scores in his studio at his house, it's yeah. amazing. Like, you know, he's, he does it all and it's so cool. And it's fun to see musicians that have made that transition um, from not necessarily being live musicians, you know, but get, getting into scoring. Uh, Danny so, Elfman. Yeah. I mean, come on. Boingo, boingo, you know, to Danny Elfman. Yeah. All right. I've got a signed Beetlejuice record. And it's one of my, uh, one of my prized possessions. That's awesome. <laughs> um, the other guy too is Richard Patrick from filter. Um, he scores some stuff that's just phenomenal. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, score. And, and like you said, music is such an important part that sets a tone, especially in a genre like this, where you're yeah. really, really relying on, you know, musical cues to help sell what's happening on screen. Well, yeah, it, it drives a story. It get, it creates the emotion of what's happening and it, it can set up a scare it can also like, you know, it's, it's just, to me, music and and scores is is so vital to a movie. You have to really make it, you know. It has to really, you know, be a good composer to actually tell the story along with the dialogue and the story we're trying to do. It, it all has to come together perfectly. And Roy rocked it. And yeah. he's also a horror, a true horror fan, you yeah. know. So yeah. that helps a lot because he gets the tone. You know, if you try, if you got a non horror fan to compose it, you know, sometimes they're not going to get the scares or things like that. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to get that vibe. And Roy like. You couldn't ask for somebody better. Yeah, I thought I thought at one point that I was the biggest Shining fan, but I think Roy takes the cake. <laughs> He's a huge Shining fan. <laughs> huge. He um, spoke about Salem's lot too, by the way. Like he he knew I was doing that, so he's like, oh, uh, like, like well, that's that's what I mean. You know, when you're when you when you have friends that are fans, um, it's it's going to come up. Uh, lastly, because we got to wrap up. Um, when it came to the band themselves, um, were they see like I've I, I've interviewed the Foo Fighters all together once before, and they really are the kind of band that all show up. You know, it's not just the Dave show. Yeah. It's it, and it seems like this movie made very sure that everyone had an equal part to play. Um, yeah. were, were some of the guys less inclined to be on screen, or were they all like, "Let's just do this and have fun"? No, they were. Everybody was super pumped about it. You know, yeah. I, it, I was. You know, going into it, you never know like what you're gonna get because I didn't know all the guys at first. You know, I just you know I met Dave and then I started meeting the guys while we were in pre pro. Um, but honestly, I couldn't have asked for a better bunch of dudes that are not actors that came in to want to do this, that were so prepared on the day they came in and so ready to go. Um, and you know, every day it's like, they didn't lose steam and we, you know, we didn't have anybody that didn't show up on time. Yeah. It was just like, it honestly, I couldn't ask for a better group of people. It ran perfectly. And I, you know, I only hope that every other job from here on out is as easy <laughs> as that. Is and do another one with these guys. Cause it was a, it was honestly a pleasure the whole time between them and even our actors on set and our crew. It was just one of the best experiences that I've had in my filmmaking career. That's amazing. Well, continued success. Um, can't wait to see what's next. And, uh, and thanks for taking the time to chat today. Man. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. All right. Thanks, man. 
Yeah, you see, I really want to see this movie, not only because I like it when, uh, you know, rock and roll and uh, horror combine, yeah. but also because it reminds me of back in the day when, um, you know, bands would just be in movies like uh, yeah. rock and roll, rock and roll high school or yeah. kiss meets the phantom. Like it's nice to have another one to add and bands aren't really in movies anymore unless they're like Disney kids. Well, so yeah, it's a dying art. Yeah. It, it is a dying art. And that's what I, you know, that's what I said to BJ and we were chatting. I mean, the idea of doing a rock and roll movie with a band, I mean, who else could do this and who could pull this off convincingly besides the Foo Fighters. And if you remember Ryan, when the Foo Fighters first kicked off, um, in the, um, in the mid nineties, they were really, really funny in their, their music videos. Um, yeah. And, like remember the video forever long and the, Absolutely. The, they, they always, you know, and, and come on, uh, exactly the big hand. Yeah. And, yeah. and so they're, they're always naturally, um, funny on screen. So to see them all really dig into this and all contribute is great. And, um, you know, it, it, Foo Fighters is Dave Grohl's baby, but um, what I've always loved about the Foo Fighters is that when Dave does press, he includes the entire band. Uh, he wa he wants to make sure that everybody's on board, and um, and I love that about him. He he to me to him it's it's not just the Dave Grohl show; it's the Foo Fighters, and it's a band. So um, and very much so in this movie, they just they're they're really really funny, and um, and there's some genuine scares. And you know, BJ's worked on as a as a cameraman in in some of the biggest horror movies you know he just did malignant which came which came out last year uh he's worked on some stuff from the conjuring franchise he's and if you look at his credits on uh, yeah. imdb it's it's nuts the guy has worked on everything so you imagine yeah. along the way you've picked up some tips right absolutely and uh i was when i was editing the interview i was bugging out a bit about the salem's lot remake that i only heard about in rumor yeah so it's nice I to know. see that there's a confirmation of that i know because I know. this day and age i'm wondering i'm like are they like you know he didn't say anything but i'm like god are they gonna do a period piece or all these vampire kids gonna have cell phones are they gonna sparkle i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it, and and you know look I, i'm gonna say it now because the movie's been out for a few days john carpenter is in this movie yeah and he also scores the theme song i i didn't say yeah like as in i've seen it i said yeah as in i saw it like on um on imdb or yeah. somewhere i think and i'm just like that's so cool it isn't it him and his son that scored the theme song yeah, together or yeah, something yeah his son cody oh, so, so cool you know uh, mm. john carpenter live was still one of the best shows i've ever been to um when he you know and and, and if people don't know john carpenter you know well-known director he's like the king of genre movies uh He's, he's just done some absolute classics. Some of my favorites, like they live and like the thing. And of course, Halloween. Um, but what I like about John is he scores his own stuff. He scored his movies and, um, he did that out of necessity because he just didn't have any money left in the budget for, for music. So guys like John Carpenter and, um, and, uh, Alan Howarth, those guys were like the OGs of, um, of the eighties soundtracking stuff. So to have him attached to studio six, six, six is really, really cool. But um, I really encourage people to check it out. It's in theaters for a limited run. And uh, I, I would imagine that this will get to a, a home video release and, and there will probably be some really interesting uh, Blu-ray releases around this. I'm sure they're going to do some great packages, but uh, Studio 666, I would definitely go check it out. It's If you're a Foo Fighter fan, it's like it's a no-brainer. I'm sure a lot of people- If you want to see Foo Fighters die, 
<laughs> like even if you hate the Foo Fighters, not, like and yeah. I'm not, this isn't a spoiler. This is in the trailer. Yeah, Taylor gets it. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of carnage in this movie. Carrie King yeah. from Slayer is in this movie. Uh, he, uh, that's he, great. He plays a roadie. He plays the Foo Fighters roadie who's there setting up their. Uh, <laughs> and you know, j- just to give you a little background, really quickly before we jump to the next film. Um, sure. Studio Six Six Six. It's about the Foo Fighters have to write their tenth album. And they they're just uninspired, so they move into this Hollywood mansion to record the record, and it's haunted. There you go. <laughs> so that's what it is, and it just you know there's cameos from um, from Lionel Richie in the movie. Uh, it's just it's great. So definitely check out Studio Six Six Six. All right. So next up, Ryan, um, mm. did you ever watch Twenty Four? Yes. Okay. In fact, it was the first show I ever binged. In fact, like it was a necessity. I had to finish it i remember the last nine episodes were just a sleepless uh experience of just needing the clarity of the of the ending and now that's kind of an industry standard to say i'm gonna binge the whole thing back then it's just like what the fuck is wrong with you go outside why are you watching all these dvds i i think 24 (laughs) was i don't know if you can if you were to exactly pinpoint the beginning of binge watching, I think it's 20. I think it was 24. I'm pretty sure. I think so. Because I remember getting seasons of 24 like you, Ryan, and putting them in disc after disc and waiting to watch it. I would not watch it week to week. I would wa- wait till the seasons were out on um, on DVD and I would watch them on DVD. Um, yeah, I think it's because that I think it's because it's the strongest serial storytelling in a sense where every episode directly like mm-hmm. a soap opera. Mm-hmm will continue the second the other one finishes and that's usually a soap opera thing or an anime thing yeah so because because television when people are watching they're like well why would we tell one story i mean what if someone misses the week before will they be not interested in watching the week afterwards so they took a real gamble on that and it really paid off in fact it was telling the future in a way and i think they were the first people to go uh, oh maybe maybe not the first but uh you definitely could take full advantage of previously on 24 because you (laughs) caught up in that you know 30 seconds of of, uh, 30 second clips but uh on 24 um Mm. there was a gentleman who played the president and what was he was the uh officially before barack obama he was the first african-american president um yeah and uh, and the actor is Dennis Haysbert. Uh, if you know Dennis's work, um, he played Pedro Serrano in the movie Major League, um, which was a oh, great cool. role for him. Yeah. And uh, I'm a huge fan of the movie Heat, uh, Michael yeah. Mann's masterpiece. It just to me, one of the strongest ensemble casts ever. And um, and he's in Heat as well. He plays the uh, the getaway car driver that Robert De Niro goes into the uh, restaurant to enlist. Go like De Niro in this scene. De Niro rock walks right into the back of the the restaurant, into the kitchen, and pulls this guy out from behind the grill and says, "I have a job for you. Do you want to do it?" And um, and that's Dennis Haysbert. And and you know, Heat is a special film, especially for for movie nerds. I mean, the movies just Michael Mann was a genius in the eighties, uh, and he carried that into the nineties. Mm. But you know, he he was the guy that put. Uh, cool on screen with Mike uh, with uh, Miami Vice. He's a guy responsible for Miami Vice, and he's also you know the guy that married music and and television together so nicely when he was using all those great songs in the eighties for Miami Vice. You um, know, paving the um, way for people like Quentin Tarantino and other people who would be nefarious for like you know really combining the two. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was at the forefront of of, of making you know soundtracks really really cool in the eighties, and uh, and he brought it to the small screen. So you figure you know 
a lot of people go to the movies, but everybody watches TV, especially in the eighties. And Miami vice was the biggest show in the eighties. <laughs> and when I was a kid and I watched Miami vice, I wanted to move to Florida and I wanted to become a, uh, a cop. You know, I wanted to become like a vice <laughs> cop, just like Crockett and Tubbs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but Michael, my Michael Mann had, a, had a way uh, to do stuff that was just so stylized and was so cool. So heat, great movie. If you haven't seen heat and Dennis Haysbert, great actor. So we got a chance to talk to Dennis and Ryan Dennis is in a movie that is on Disney plus right now. And if you're in the U S it's on Hulu and it's called no exit. What's fun about this film is you basically have, I think it's six people or seven people that are stuck in a welcome center on a highway because it's snowed in and they have to pull over and this is the only place they can be. So all these strangers are in this room together and everybody's got a story and all this shit starts to happen. I like those movies. I like those claustrophobic movies. Kind of like, claustrophobic. Uh, yeah. you know, the thing without the thing, but still, you know, but, we're but stuck in here. What's yes, going to happen? Exactly yeah. like that. That kind of mm. vibe. And you don't know who's, who's who, who's what great twists mm. and turns. And, um, and Dennis is in the movie. He's, he's, he's great. Cause he's always great. You know, he's also the voice of, um, of all state, the all state, you know, like he was the all state commercial guy for 20 years so a lot of people knew who you know it's funny you're you're like you're like miami vice i'm like yes you're like Allstate, huh <laughs> i'm like ryan get your priorities in order well no no it's just because the Allstate commercials <laughs> like listen i was a kid though recently on on facebook there was a um a poll how many of these jingles do you know okay and can you match these lines with jingles which with what jingle it is. And I knew every single one of them, which means obviously someone plopped me in front of a television when I was young um, and had me, you know, had me babysat Look. by, by NBC, CBS and ABC. Look, if you spend his all state commercials talking to Keith or Sutherland on a cell phone, yeah. I would know what the hell you're talking about. Right. Yeah. Well, okay. So anyways, he, he was, he was the <laughs> spokesperson for all state for a long time. And, uh, and his voice was, was, was recognizable and, uh, just a really, really, um, great guy. So check out our conversation with Dennis Haysbert from no exit. How are you, Dennis? I'm great, Jason. How are you? I'm good. First of all, I should say, how are you, Mr. President? Because you'll always yeah. be my, you'll always be my president. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Um, I got to watch the movie this morning and the one thing I loved about this film. There are many things I loved about this film, but the fact that I could never figure out where I, just when I thought I knew where we were, we were completely somewhere else. And, yeah. and it's, I mean, twists, turns, um, gasps, like, <gasps> like it really, really was a great little film. How much fun was it to make? Man, you have no idea how much fun this was. Uh, there's very few um, movies where you can come together with a cast and a complete cast that you adore. Yeah, and I adored every one of these uh, these individuals, and we we worked so well together that we even gave each other you know 150 percent when we were off camera, as well as when we were on, you know, because we all we all wanted everyone to be great, and in order to do that, you know, you had to feed them when uh, when they were on, on screen, and uh, they would feed me when I was on screen. So it was it was one of those collaborations, man, that was just made in heaven. Uh, just everybody just, you know, loved and adored each other. I mean, we we even hung out together off the set, you know, and uh, and the beautiful thing about this whole thing was that uh, the sequence in the, the uh, visitor center 
Mm-hmm. It was all shot in sequence. Oh, wow. Nice. So it was like a play, you know, that we had, you know, a month to complete, you know, and uh, to do it in sequence like that, it was just, uh, was a gift. And, and, you know, there's something to be said, you know, you mentioned it, this really does play out like a, a theatrical production. And right. what, what I love about um, scripts like that and movies like that is you really are honed in on the performances. There's no bells and whistles. It's all about the people that are in the room. Exactly. Um, and there's some great performances, but I, I, I just, I, I love the fact that you're telling me that the cast was close because it really seemed like you guys were gelled. You know, everybody had their roles, everyone assumed them, um, and everyone, you know, executed them really, really well. Yes, we did. Um, like I said, we would feed each other. Yeah, no, you you can see it, and it's and it's genuine. Uh, I'm from Canada. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's really cold here. Uh, winter is a as a, a major player. <laughs> in the movie. Uh, did you film that in a real wintry place or was most of that generated? Actually, that was all generated. We were on a stage. In California? Uh, no. <laughs> so, oh, well, actually in New Zealand. Okay. So I don't feel yeah. bad for you at all because to endure that cold, <laughs> although your character didn't have to sit out in the cold too much, which was pretty nice. <laughs> and I have that big, beautiful coat. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, you look like you were, you were in Star Wars on Hoth. Um, <laughs> right. Um, I, you know, Dale is, um, is, is somebody that, uh, you know, I first discovered her on the Amazon show them. Um, and you know, her character was just so evil. Um, and there's something about her that she just, she can drop in and she can just play somebody that, that you just, you're, you just can't, you can't gel with cause you're just so opposed to what they're doing. Um, I imagine in real life, she's nothing like that. Not at all. She is the sweetest lady I've met in a long time. Uh, She is just a gem. And uh, like I said, all these people are beautiful people. And, and, you know, that's just a tribute to their abilities that they were able to show you what, you know, what you saw. Yeah. And and Dale and I's uh, chemistry was just uh, um, nothing short of magical. It was the first time I had met her in person. And I'd been a longtime fan. You know, uh, you know, going back to Breaking Bad. I mean, yeah. places where you wouldn't even recognize her. Yeah, that's the thing. She's one of those or actresses. Recognizable, that, yeah. man. Yeah. Just amazing. You know, uh, just amazing. Um, when, when, when you got the script for this, um, were you able to read it right the way through? Or did they want you to have any kind of surprises when you were playing it? Because you did mention that it was shot in sequence. Did they leave anything to to uh, surprise so you would have a genuine reaction to certain things? Well, the, the surprise was that we shot it in sequence. Okay. Uh, I never expected it to be shot in sequence. Okay. Uh, when I got the script, I was just saying, oh, man, you know, I'm just turning pages, turning pages. And I said, man, this is magnificent. Yeah. You know, uh, I always say, you know, if, no matter how large the part is, you know, or how little, uh, small the part is, as long as I can sink my teeth into it and give yeah. it a good chew, oh, I'm in heaven. Um, I have to bring it up with you because I'm 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 here and I have the opportunity. Uh, you did get to work with Michael Mann on Heat. Yes. Uh, what was that like? Because Heat's one of my all-time favorite films, and and I can imagine. I mean, that cast to me that's one of the 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 the, the strongest cast ever assembled. Um, You're right. Um, I I can best answer that question this way. When I'm watching it, whether it's on a streaming service or on regular TV, whether it's the first five minutes or the last five minutes, 
whatever whenever I come onto that movie yeah. and I start to watch that movie, I have to watch it to the end. Right. You, you stop what you're doing. <laughs> I have to stop whatever I'm doing. I have to watch it to the end. And I think that's a tribute to not only the cast uh, and crew, but to Michael Mann himself. Absolutely. Uh, what a hell of a director. Uh, and lastly, um, have you ever been stranded anywhere and you've had to, to sit out somewhere? I mean, like I, you know, I used to play in a band. Um, we got snowed in once somewhere in really, really Northern, Northern part of Canada. Um, and we were stuck there for 24 hours and, you know, oh, wow. the, 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 the <laughs> it was real. Have you ever been stuck anywhere due to weather? Uh, not due to weather. No. I okay. mean, when I went to New Zealand to shoot this, I, I had never been in quarantine for 14 uh, days. Right. Which is similar. Which is very similar. And I'm I, 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 really odd that I have no problem with it. And I was just in a little, you know, single room, you know. Yeah. And thank God I had a king size bed. But um, I spent 14 days in there and, we, and actually had an hour a day that you, you know, that everybody was just walking around in a circle. It's like we were in prison. Yeah. And it, it almost made me think that, oh, you know what? Other than, you know, the possibility of getting shivved or something like that, I could probably do time. <laughs> you know, yeah, just, that, even, just the just a little part. caveat, you know, I mean, as long as, you know, as long as I have to worry about being, you know, shivved, you know, uh, I, you know, I could probably, I could probably do time. And what do you got coming up next? Uh, what's coming up next is uh, Flame and Hot, uh, yep. which should be, um, released uh, actually a couple of months after this is released and then following that um is uh traffic control which is a a, a derivative of uh, a sniper movies only it's more um more about the uh, spy uh, okay spider. so it's uh yeah it's the first time in my career i've had back-to-back-to-back movies nice so i'm looking forward to these all coming out because they're all so vastly different well, Dennis, thanks for taking the time. A continued success. I really had a blast watching this movie. And, uh, oh, thank and, you. And I look to, forward to talking to you again sometime. Let's do it. All right. Take care. All right. You too. Yeah, I got to I gotta check this out. I'm, you have I'm, a to. Lover, I'm a lover of horror movies. I'm a lover of intense movies. I'm a lover of dramas. I'm just, I'm, I love it when humans can suck. Like, that's really my favorite <laughs> oh, thing because yeah. every time I watch a movie and I'm waiting for the, the monster usually the monster is kind of like oh that's pretty cool i guess you know they have a budget but man when you can nail humans really being pieces of garbage that you don't need a budget for that no 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 and 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 that's what's what's great about no exit is that everybody in the film every character in the film is flawed and is unhappy with Mm. where they're at in life it's 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 like they're not none of them are in the place they want to be Everybody is striving to be somewhere else and everybody's put in this position in the situation where they have no choice but to be with each other for a bit. And as it all unfolds, it's great. It's just a great, I, I like to call it, it's just like a great, you know, when you say it's a great little movie, it really is a great little movie because it gives you exactly what you need in an hour and a half. Um, and it's, it was entertaining and, and I would watch it again. And it's fun to watch these kind of movies when you know the end to rewatch and see if you might've missed some stuff. But um, mm-hmm. it really shows like, the worst side of humanity. <laughs> I mean, all these people are out for themselves and it's kind of gross, but, but it's, but it's great at the same time.
hey, you know what? When humanity sucks, sometimes you need a guy to put on a costume and beat the crap out of them <laughs> in the cover of night. Yes. And that is exactly what is happening in this next movie that we're going to be talking about. And that is the Batman. Now, Ryan, I, I got to be honest with you. You know, mm. it was one thing with Studio 666. Yeah. I, it was one thing with no exit. Okay. But when I saw Batman without you, I felt mm. like I was cheating on you. You were. <laughs> I felt <laughs> I felt bad. And I cannot <laughs> wait to go see the Batman with you because this movie, Ryan, and I have not been able to talk about it at all because I, I, I saw this movie, I think about three weeks ago. I saw this early, Ryan. And I've had to shut up about this movie forever <laughs> and it has been so hard because i have all of my geek friends and you know like you i've got a lot of them have been asking me did you see batman i saw you mm. post about something did you see batman and i just have to answer with an emoji like huh or or whatever the emoji is or the sunglasses emoji whatever it was i couldn't just say yes i saw batman and it fucking rocked but ryan mm. i saw the batman and it fucking mm rules oh that's good because i have a not a love-hate relationship with batman but my my standards for your batman movie like i remember vividly walking out of batman and robin as a kid and dying inside a little bit so yeah. oh no no there's none of that uh, you know exactly exactly but to me i'm just like hmm every time i see a batman movie i don't ever let my guard down i always kind of yeah. go up wearing my own bat armor i'm like hey, this could <laughs> this could this could be awful. Yeah. And it's really nice to see that DC, every time they've seemed to be doing these things, where like, let's not worry about what Aquaman and Wonder Woman's doing. Let's just make a good film. Joker, yeah. is it connected to the rest of the universe? No. No. It's no. just a really cool story. Yeah. And I and I like that. So Marvel's strength is let's make everything into this one world. But DC's strength is let's just make the best one shots ever like we did in the 80s. Let's yes. shock people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and not play catch up to what Marvel's doing. I, I don't know about you, Ryan, but I loved Man of Steel. I absolutely loved Man of Steel. And all Me too. I really, I really liked that. I just thought it fell off a little bit after with that, but man of steel is very cool. A very cool metal take on Superman. It, you know? it was. Yeah. It was, yeah. I, I, look, look, I like, look, some people don't like it. I love man of steel, but, and mm. the biggest problem I had with man of steel is that I wanted man of steel two and three. Yeah. And we, we got rushed along to Batman versus Superman and justice league and the rest is history. But I think now we're in a place mm. where we're getting, everybody's figuring it out. And, 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 yeah. you know, Warner are an incredible studio. They know what they're doing. And it was evident when they did Joker because Joker yes. was a great on its own. And this is what we're getting with Batman. Yeah. It, it seemed kind of like, you know, they, they got back into that dark Knight earnestness about, you know, how, how you could, how you can examine these characters that seem larger than life. Fantastical mm -hmm. stories about clowns and make it so, so human. And I think uh, DC fans have always kind of been that way. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not into the splash page. They're always kind of into the deeper roots of the the writing, character development, all that. So it makes total sense to me that they would make a, a Batman movie that, to me, kind of seems like a 97 movie, except except yeah. without Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt, you got a dude in a suit. 
And I'm like, and I, I love that because yeah. he's a dark knight detective. Mm -hmm. So you know everything and you're just probably clamping your mouth shut like one yeah. of the people in Arkham. It's like, here's Rockman. Spoiler man. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like you don't, you don't want to do it. But I'm sure that it's been lonely knowing the greatness of this movie and not being able to share it with anybody. There was one journalist from the press that was at the screening with me that morning. We were able to message each other a little bit on Facebook and say, man, that was good. That was good. And that was kind of fun. But yes. Uh, so now that I can talk about it, the new Batman movie, The Batman, is phenomenal. Okay. Any any um, hesitation that you might have had giving up um, you know, the Batman cowl to Robert Pattinson Take that away. Erase it from your mind because he is great as Batman. Um, and I went as far to say as he's my favorite Batman. And I know that's there, that that is that is fighting words, and I'm glad you said it. But you know what? You know? Wait till you see it. Wait yeah. till you see it. Um, and I think the reason why, Ryan, not only is is the cast solid, I mean, you've got solid actors in this movie. You've got Jeffrey Wright who is playing Commissioner Gordon. Um, you have got Colin Farrell in the movie as well. Um listen, the, the movie's just solid right through. Cast is solid. But the guy who really, really is responsible for making this movie as cool as it is, is Matt Reeves. And um, if you're not familiar with Matt's work, Matt is the guy that saved the Planet of the Apes. He literally is the guy that turned uh, something that a lot of people considered a campy franchise into something incredibly, incredibly um, emotional and uh, relevant like the planet of the apes movies, Ryan, you know, you're talking about CGI apes. Okay. Yeah. CGI apes that you cried for. And this isn't like, you know, a DreamWorks children's movie that tugs at the heartstrings. You were crying for these apes without any further hesitation. Here's my conversation with Matt Reeves, director of the Batman. Matt. Hey, Hey, best Batman you? to don the cowl yet. Ooh, thank you. Wow, that's so cool. Well, I certainly think so when it comes to Rob. I just, I, I think he is incredible. He's so great. So I'm excited for people to see it. I'm so glad you felt that way. I really felt that way. And I sincerely ah. mean that. You know, um, the thing with thank Batman is, as we all know, as as time progresses, you know, you can look back on some of the stuff with, with fondness, but some of the, the things don't age as well. Um, this, I, as soon as I was watching, I'm like, this is going to, this is going to be bulletproof in 10 years. Oh, I love that. Okay, good. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, there's a, there's a grittiness to this movie. There's, um, there's a, uh, a dirtiness. There's a dirty film over the whole thing. Yes. What was it like to try to achieve that? And how much fun did you have achieving that? Well, you know, that, you know, we, every scene, like there's, I have to say that there's a, it's like monsoonal in, uh, in Gotham, right? They, like every yeah. scene that, you know, I was putting the actors just through, so much rain we were shooting at night in the in the winter in london it was cold i mean there were times they were shivering and we were just between the grime and the water and then with greg frazier he would put um these little silicone uh sort of smears on these little filters that we put in front of our anamorphic lenses so that the water would be dripping onto uh the lens so that you always felt like the point was to make it feel like you were in it yeah. You were immersed in it. And so we did everything we could to make sure, like I love the kind of like um, 
aesthetic of like a Hitchcock movie, right? Where, you're, where you yeah. are right in the center. You're in the shoes of the character as they go through the experience. So you feel that, that effect. And we took that to the extreme. You know, we have the sound. We mixed it in Atmos sound in a way that's very immersive. And then visually, mm -hmm. we did everything we could, especially with James Chinlin's amazing production design, to make it feel like you were just in that dripping, grimy, wet, yeah. crazy city. Yeah, I just wanted to get everybody into a hot shower right away. <laughs> Um, th the first time, uh, Robert comes on screen in the Batman suit, uh, that, that great scene in the subway. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a weight to his walk. There's just a presence that comes in. Uh, how did you feel when you first saw him in the suit? Oh, it was amazing. I mean, that's a funny, you know, cause the first time I ever saw him in a suit, he had to put on one of the old, when you do a screen test, the, the studio needs to see how someone looks in the bat suit. Right. And yeah. of course there was no question that. Rob was going to look great in a bat suit. He's, he, he has a real Batman. He looks like Batman. But yeah. we, you know, we put him in um, one of the nippled suits. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's a crazy moment because you're sitting there, you're looking at the history of Batman suits. We had the one from Kilmer and from Clooney and from, uh, you know, from, from Keaton and from, from Affleck. We had all of them there. And it was like, okay, which one fits? And, yeah. and, we, and we put them on. And he looked, he looked amazing, but it wasn't ours. So that was kind of weird and surreal. But then we worked really hard on making this suit perfect for Rob. And when he showed up and we did our, our really what was our first camera test, it was really exciting. It was like, oh my God, this is, here we go, here he is. And this is a new iteration and it's, it's all Rob. And it was, it was very exciting. And shooting that scene was really fun. You know, that, that I really wanted the movie to be kind of like a horror movie. In that sense, you know, when he emerges, Batman's meaning to intimidate the criminal element. So that scene at the subway platform is supposed to be um, like a like a like a beast emerging from the shadows. And the way Rob walks out is pretty cool. Well achieved. Thanks a lot. Continued success, and I can't wait for people to see this. Thank you so much, man. I'm so glad you liked it. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, I gotta see this movie, dude. It's you do. not you do. even funny. Is it hurting you know, your brain? Is it hurting your brain right now because you haven't seen it? No, it's interesting because Robert Pattinson's always been a great actor, but, you know, Twilight really stigma uh, stigmatized him as being like this teen dream. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I saw this movie at Fantasia Film Festival a few years ago called Good Time. Yes. And was blown away by the dude's performance. Yeah. And the Safdie brothers, of course, that would make uh, un other amazing movies like um, uh, Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems with Adam yeah. Sandler. So anyway, the Safdie brothers were there in person, and so was Robert Pattinson. And Mel and I were like in the front row because Mel wants to be near Robert. Yeah. And I was staring at the guy, and I'm just like, he looks so good on camera. But in person, he's a little sleepy, like right. me. Right. I love this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so after all these years of my DiCaprio syndrome with him, I'm like, all oh, the girls like him. Fuck this guy. Yeah. That's how that's how I humanize pretty boys with a lot of talent. I'm sure a lot of people did the same thing with Brad yeah. Pitt back in yeah. the day. They're like, you need that one role, like California or something. That's it. That, that just, <laughs> it just takes you in another way. I yeah. mean, and and yeah. like, you, like you couldn't have put it better with the DiCaprio syndrome. I mean, I remember people <laughs> shitting all over Leonardo DiCaprio. And then now look at him. He's like the biggest actor in the world. You know, he's one of the biggest names in the world and he's a fine actor. And so is Robert. Um, I, the Lighthouse, as you know, Ryan, I love The Lighthouse. And he was so good in The Lighthouse, so good in The Lighthouse. So to see him as Batman and to see him walk out of the shadows like he does 
Um, nice. You're going to see, man. You're going to freak out. You're going to lose your shit when you see this movie. I'm looking forward to seeing a Batman movie where you're not setting up a sequel necessarily the entire time. You're just you're showing a guy figuring it out. Yeah, because he hasn't been Batman forever. And he's yeah. still like a legend amongst the, uh, you know, a legend in a in a in um an urban legend amongst the uh, the criminal folk, which are a cowardly and suspicious lot. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, according to Batman lore. Yeah. And it's uh, I'm looking forward to Batman being kind of a shadowy beast again, kind of like in the beginning of um, Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah. Where it's just like, we shouldn't have pulled the gun on that kid. It's like, it, maybe the bat will get us. It's like the bat, you yeah. know. I well, like that, that. It, it's it's he's he's really scary. And I think that's what Batman should be. He should be scary. And, um, you know, Nolan's Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy was really, really good. And it does take from that in terms of the tone, but it just goes another level lower in terms of the darkness mm. and, and the grit. The grit is in this movie. The same way you felt the grit in Joker, you feel that the dirtiness of Gotham City in, in Joker, you know, it just, it has this, this grit to it. And, and they have the same, same, um, you have the same feeling when you're watching the Batman. It's just gritty and it's dark. And, uh, and Zoe Kravitz too. Zoe's really good as Catwoman. I, I, I'm, you know, to me, the, the, the thing that out, lived all of those Batman movies and, and still stands up as Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. I mean, she was mm. just great. Um, and Zoe's great. Zoe's great as Catwoman. She does. She, she has a great, great, um, vibe in her suit and she has a great vibe as Catwoman. Um, and you're going to see there's some tech in here too. Um, the way Batman does surveillance and the way he records stuff is done oh, a certain nice. way. That is so oh, cool. Yeah. I've never seen that before, you know? Um, it's just very original. It's very, very original. And, uh, and Andy circus as Alfred, you know, um, he's great too. So yeah, the Batman high on the list, Ryan, um, you have to check that out. So three movies that you, uh, you should definitely keep on your radar. So studio six, six, six is in theaters. Now no exit is available for streaming on Hulu and on Disney plus in Canada. And the Batman is in theaters on March 4th. So make sure you check it out. So, uh, we got a lot of thanks today, Ryan, we got to thank a lot of people today. Um, we, I, I definitely want to thank, um, all the folks over at Paramount and at promo Avenue for, uh, hooking us up with no, the no exit folks. Uh, we got to thank Melanie and, um, and everybody for studio six, six, six to, uh, have a chance to chat with uh, BJ McDonald. And of course, Warner brothers, Canada, for our conversation with Matt Reeves. And, um, thanks to our, uh, new outfitter, to make our torsos look beautiful studio house designs <laughs> and, uh, and to all of you for hanging out. Uh, my thanks to my beautiful co-host Ryan stick. Who's never looked better. <laughs> uh, our executive producer, Julia Kajerski and to uh, all of you. Thank you so much for joining us. And next week, Ryan on the show, we have got an absolute musical legend, Ryan legend, a guy that wrote a song that everybody on the planet knows. Is he, does he have a hat and is he a man? Is he without one? We'll see you next week on the Rock and Power Hour. <laughs>